This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're getting through the week. Uh, we got a lot of week left, but that's okay. We're going to get through it together. Got a great show planned for you. Uh, DMs, always open if you want to glide on in there. That's right. Thanks, Astroglide, lubing everything up. Glide on in those DMs. Got a question for us? Put it in there on our Loveline IG page or a topic you want covered or you want me to uh, drop deeper into and clarify. And uh, past shows are over at wearechannelq.com. I uh, thought we'd open with something a little light. As always, as culture changes and evolves, new words emerge, and uh, the dictionary. Dictionary is still traditionally seen as the resource for that which really tells us what words are legitimized. Um, We don't necessarily have to subscribe to that, and that's what I kind of like, is that we kind of culturally legitimize words, and as a result, the dictionary has to include an update, thereby making it more legitimate, but we kind of did that work first. And you know, hey, words exist that the you know dictionary hasn't kept up with, and that's okay. The publishers of the dictionary don't get to be the final word, right? We're kind of deconstructing concepts like that. That's a little patriarchal, right? But I wanted to go through some of the words that are in there. Um, this is hilarious. So 300 new words were added to dictionary.com, which is you know one of the many different sources. Uh, zaddy. Zaddy, a Z instead of D for daddy, right? It's the hot, hot version of daddy. It's, it's supposed to be more of a compliment. Um, Law and Order's Chris Maloney is often described as Zaddy. In fact, there's a picture of his butt <laughs> tied to the story. Um, he's having a moment for many. He's continually had lots of moments, but he's kind of culturally creating this Zaddy moment. Um, Mind boggling that there's a sentence thrown in here that Zach Efron is a Zaddy. Um, to me, he's that little boy from that mo- from that show a long time ago. Like I'll never be able to maybe see him fully as an adult. But um, point being, that word's in there. Um, there's a lot of slang words that are added in there. And again, there's nothing wrong with slang. We use that word to devalue uh, local colloquialisms and cultural terms. And we don't want to do that anymore. That's really um, elitist. You know, there's uh, African-American vernacular, English, and different cultures of different words. It's just different. And the way us, you know, white people do it or what the dictionary says isn't the right way or the only way. It's one of many. Um, so slang has meaning. I use a lot of slang. I value slang. I also value ex- expletives. There's nothing unintelligent about using foul language. It's a way to amplify and dramatize and make your point. And we have to get very familiar with that. But some of the newly added slang words are words like oof, O-O-F. 
<laughs> okay. As well as, um, uh, well, yikes was already in there, but they're, they're somehow, uh, combining those two. Another one. And again, uh, cultural moments that create these things, the word deplatform, right? And that's a social media term when we've taken someone's platform away and essentially canceled them, right? Deplatforming's in there. Other important words, trigger warning and content warning. Trigger warning and content warning, again, are just mental health things where if we're about to jump into a topic that might disturb or throw some people off, we say, hey, trigger warning or content warning, I'm gonna talk about abuse or we're gonna talk about addiction. And it gives people the ability to say, oh yeah, you know what? It's kind of happening in my world right now. Don't really wanna step into that. I'm gonna step aside or change the channel. And I try to do that on Loveline when I think of it or when I'm aware of it to say, hey, trigger warning, we're gonna be talking about diet culture or food, eating disorders, those that are maybe in the thick of it or struggling, now's a time for you to maybe change the channel, listen to something else. And we do have to talk about that. There's going to be topics and segments that aren't right for everyone. And content warning and trigger warnings are appropriate. We don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. We don't want to, you know, have someone's mental health spiral. So I'm glad we're talking more about that. Um, long COVID. Uh, okay. That's in there. Uh, synchronous and asynchronous. That's interesting. I don't know why those words were so necessarily, you know, powerful to be introduced, but hey, there they are. Minoritize. God bless it. Uh, the acronym DEI, meaning diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay. I'm, I'm going to add that one to uh, my own vocabulary, DEI. But uh, point being, it's always changing. I remember <laughs> I remember years ago when Bootylicious, uh, and that's born out of the Destiny Child song, Bootylicious, I guess, became popular enough. That was put in the dictionary, right? So, I mean, it's cultural power. I like that. Cultural power. The dictionary should reflect what's happening in the world, not us trying to fit what the dictionary says, right? And that's why I'm all about updating gender terms and um, our birth certificates. You know, institutions and forms and, 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 and whatnot and systems need to meet the needs of people. People shouldn't have to fit in the needs of systems. That's why we're letting anyone get married. And I actually, and this is not something everyone agrees with, I can't wait till we get to a point where you can choose to marry as many people as you want because some people fall in love with more than one people. We have throuples, we have polyamory. And the systems, like systems of marriage, need to meet the needs of people. People shouldn't have to not marry all the people they love because that's just not how it is. Marriage needs to update itself to give people what people need. People come first, always, right? We talk about that. Um, all right, we're gonna take a little break. When we come back, uh, we're gonna do a little bit of a safe relational topic, talking about things that resilient couples do. Why? Well, we've been talking about it a little bit. Times are tough. Things are still not necessarily exactly what we want them to be culturally. You know, a lot going on in the world still, and we got the Delta variant and all that mess happening. Talk about couples, and then uh, later in the show, maybe we'll get into something a little spicier in the second hour. You know what I mean? When you put the kids to bed. All right, stick around, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all. We are back and we're talking about things that resilient couples do. So, hey, if you're in a relationship, listen up, take some notes. And if you're not, also listen up and take some notes because you might be at some point. And as always, these things aren't just romantic romantic. Uh, what am I saying? These things are not exclusive for those that are in a romantic relationship. These are also things we want to do for parent, child, friend, and friend, et cetera, et cetera. These are all very universal, but specifically, what are the things that resilient couples do? That means the couples that make it over the long haul, the couples that really have that sustainability, um, Resilient couples and relationships are able to handle conflict. Again, I'll say that to I'm blue in the face that how we manage conflict is very much going to speak to the mental health of that relationship and its longevity. Um, so really think about that. It's not just about resolution because most couples issues aren't resolvable. I'll, I'll say more to that in a minute. It's about how we manage it, knowing that conflict is going to often emerge. So the problem isn't oh, we have conflict, the problem will be, how do you manage it? If you manage it poorly, you got a big problem. If you manage it well, well then welcome to being around another human being. So again, if someone says, oh, there's a lot of conflict, okay, not the most ideal, but I always say, but how do you manage it? What's that resolve and repair like? Because that's what I care about. That's where mental health comes in. I'm not thrown off that you're two different human beings and you have different needs and tastes at different times. Like, again, welcome to life. And most hear this, about 60 plus percent of couples' issues are not resolvable because both people are right. No one's wrong. It's two different people coming together. So you have to learn how to manage conflict well. That is what speaks to the quality of the relationship. So I always say to them, when you're battling something out or fighting it or debating it or arguing or having conflict, that matters how you manage it, not that there's something to talk about. So again, the solution isn't or the focus shouldn't be about resolving it. It should be about how are we talking to each other? Are we being loving and kind and calm? What kind of languaging are we using? Are we making the other person feel safe to stay in this conversation with us? Or are we fighting, name calling, screaming, getting abusive? Because I'll mute what's being said. I don't care. And I'm watching the process. And that's what I'm weighing in on. Because a lot of these things aren't resolvable. When we're with someone, sometimes there's differences that we'll sustain. And that's what it's like to be with that person. Also, practices of resilient relationships include showing up, being seen, sharing power, disagreeing well, taking breaks. We're going to break all that down in a minute. Healthy disagreements are important for relationships to be strong. Again, because that is part of life. And again, I've said this before as well, that... I know you're really in it when the relationship 
finally starts to hit conflict. And until then, have fun and enjoy, but I can't really assess the quality of that relationship. Have fun when it's fun, but when the conflict starts, that's when I'm like, oh, here we go. Now I'm gonna let you know what's possible. Now I'm gonna learn about what this couple will have mental health-wise being with each other moving forward. So make that your big moment. That's your big moment. Your big moment isn't how do you do when things are going well, (laughs) right? Because that's easy. That's lazy. It's what do y'all like as a couple when you're disagreeing and fighting? And in my relationship, because I'm in a serious committed relationship, I always tell myself that this is my big moment to put all my tools and my skills to work. I stay soft. I, I right size everything. I keep a two at a two. I don't make a two a seven. So I stay soft. I right size it. I realize that I want this human being to feel loved and cared for at this moment. Even when in conflict, I want them to feel loved, cared for, and heard. I realize that even while we're battling out conflict, I want them to feel drawn to me. I want them to feel safe with me. And I realize that how we how it ends is gonna speak to how we walk away feeling. And I want us to walk away feeling good. And so we talk it through. We own our part. We are vulnerable. You'll hear me saying, I'm talking about myself. I'm sad I did this. I'm sad I did that. I will try to do more of this. Thank you for sharing that with me, right? Can I share something with you that I'd love to see different? You would hear me being very loving and kind. That is important. There's no name calling ever. In fact, that's something I said early on in our relationship. We're not gonna be the couple that name calls. Do not be the kind of couple that name calls. Shut that down immediately in yourself first. You know what I mean? But again, that's another topic. We're staying more on what do we need to do to be resilient because that's what really matters. Times are tough. Things aren't easy. So number one, do you show up for each other? We talked about that on a prior show where I said to them, are you aware of what's going on in their life and do you follow up? right? Hey, how did that wind up going at work? What, how did that conversation go with your friend? Did you guys ever blah, 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 blah? You know what I mean? We engage, we follow up, right? Um, there's also another interesting thing, and this is something that I was um, processing with a friend over the weekend, and I, I'm glad I remember this. I remember thinking like, hey, bring this up on Loveline, because this was really meaningful to my friend. We're talking about that when you're in a conversation with someone, and this is also something that's really meaningful on a first date early on in dating, right? But also in, you know, in longer form as well. When we're having a conversation with someone, Often, and this is from the perspective of uh, they're sharing something with us or they're initiating conversation or we're on a date maybe and this person's telling us about themselves, our responses will generally fall under two different headings, either a shift or support. A shift is when we bring it back to ourselves and about ourselves. Support is when we ask follow-up engaging questions that make them tell us more. A shift would be a friend says something like, Again, rough example, I got in a fight with my mom. And a shift would be, oh, I get in a fight with my mom as well, here's what I do. You've just made it about yourself. You've literally taken the microphone in the spotlight, put it on yourself. This person isn't gonna feel seen or heard or supported. What you wanna do is what we call a supportive response, which is, wow, that must have been really difficult. Tell me more, what is it that she says to you? Or how have you handled that in the past? You say things that make them keep going and keep saying more about themselves. You don't do a shift, essentially a shift back to you. You do something supportive, which helps them keep going. And that's what you have to do to make people feel seen and heard. And sometimes people think that by doing the shift, they're, they're empathizing, but it doesn't always feel that way. It feels like you just took the attention away and you made it about you. 
and you're now I'm learning more about you and your mom, but I really needed you to be present and hear me talk about mine. And I needed you to stay with my emotional journey. We're going to take a break. We're going to talk more about this because resilient relationships are what we want with literally everyone. And we tend to only prioritize them with our romantic partner or our husband or wife or maybe our friend. But it's like, these are things we should be doing with everybody. All right, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, all, we're back. We're talking about resilient relationships. Why? Well, because those are the kinds of relationships we want with everyone. Tired, we're stressed, we're trying to get our basic needs met, we're worrying about our mental health, we're trying to stay hydrated, we're trying to get enough sleep, maybe we're looking for employment. Lots going on, trying to not get the Delta variant, trying to convince our Republican friends to uh, wear a damn mask and get vaccinated. It's a tough world, y'all. Um, but how do we work on being better with these people that we're relating to? Because remember, every time we interact with someone, Anywhere, on any level, it matters, right? We're making their life better. We're making them have more trust in the world and others are the opposite. And we're responsible for the way we interact with everyone. And that's why I do love that old cliche, hey, you're on a date, see how they treat the waiter. See how they treat the bartender. It's gonna tell you about how they really perceive others. Are they classist, racist, elitist? Do they think that they're above a service worker? All of that's gross. All that's quite sociopathic and narcissistic. Well, we want to apply that to everyone, though, like how we alone by ourselves interact with our Uber driver, the barista, our colleague, a subordinate. All of that matters. Teacher to student. All of that matters. Your mental health is being demonstrated. You're telling on yourself. It's never okay, especially when people pull a power play and they're like, well, I'm their boss or I'm the teacher. Or I'm the parent. That's not an excuse. You're, you're, you're trying to give permission to make it one, but that's not. It's never okay. You know what I mean? We should treat everyone the same. We create these false, you know, vertical power structures, but it doesn't matter. No one, no one's below you ever. That's such a dehumanizing concept. It's very sociopathic to think that there's certain people that are below you because they work for you or they make less than you or whatever these false attributes are. None of that's real. Don't subscribe to that. Treat everyone the same. Talk to everyone the same, which is everyone gets care and respect, period. Um, so... We were talking earlier, though, about being supportive and not shifting. Don't bring the conversation back to you by trying to empathize or share a story about you. Be supportive, which is you make it more about them. That's how we do this seeing and being seen. Because I'm hearing a lot of that come into my office. Loneliness on different levels um, and people working on being more emotionally authentic and expressive. But we need to have people around us that create the safe container for us to do that. But in couples specifically, your partner is going to stop turning towards you and they'll start turning away from you. If every time they turn towards you, not only is conflict not managed well, because you're not approachable. And in all relationships, we have to be approachable. We have to be open to our partner or our friend or our brother or whoever saying, hey, can I talk about what it's like to be in a relationship with you? Here's what's really hard for me. That's an act of care. That's an act of them saying, I want us to be better and more of you. Say, thank you for coming to me. Let me hear about that, right? But in doing so, we wanna make sure that they're being seen and heard. So that's covered. Now, moving on to sharing power. It's not about in healthy relationships equality because there's always going to be things that someone does more of or is better at, right? Or thrives within. It's about what we call equity. And that means everyone has the equal amount of power. 
even if I take the trash out and I make the bed because you're not into that, thereby making that unequal, I still want you to feel equally empowered. So again, it's not about equality. Oh, well, I emptied the dishwasher last night, so you have to do it today. And if you want to battle that out and make it 50-50 like that, have at it. But that's not what's important to me in a relationship is true equality. You're going to sometimes be the only one that cooks dinner. Great. Be willing to do that if you prefer that more or you have the time and energy for that. Because Maybe your partner doesn't have the time or energy for that or does not enjoy that. So like allow that. If you want the bed made, make it. <laughs> if they wanted it made, they would. They don't, so they don't care about that. So make it your thing. Be the one that makes the damn bed. Don't let that be what gets in the way of relationship. But equity matters. Everyone has a voice. That's what makes us feel good in a relationship and our mental health is feeling empowered enough to ask for what we need, to have our needs met, to feel heard and to feel seen. So zero in more on that. Is everyone equally empowered? Does everyone's opinion mean as much? Or do we have a partner that's always making it about them or, or taking more of the power? That's what you have to zero in on. Zero in on that because that is the mental health piece. Like we said, arguing, disagreeing well, managing conflict is really powerful, right? Often, like I said, most things aren't going to get resolved. And so we have to be open to having things be ongoing, circling back to them, right? But we're never getting aggressive. And then finally... Sometimes we just need to be able to take time or space away. There are some people that feel as though if we're feeling uncomfortable or agitated, it has to get worked through, dealt with, or talked about now. We have to be able to compartmentalize and shelve and come back to. We have to be able to say, there's parts of you I can safely and comfortably connect to and, and spend time with, and we'll come back to that when we're more regulated. Because I don't want people having conversations when they're at their worst or feeling really triggered or dysregulated. We have to be able to say, hey, let's come back to that. That's important to me. You're important to me. But I feel like I'm losing myself, so let's come back to that. I've shared that with you before. It's a really healthy person when they say, I don't like the way I'm feeling or how I'm starting to talk to you. So let's put a pause on this and we'll come back to it. They're so self-aware, right? And they're so caretaking and aware that they don't want to harm you or whoever they're talking to that they reel it in and say, let's take a little break. We have to be open to that. But that circle back moment does have to happen. We can't do what we call stonewalling, which is I don't ever want to be approachable. I don't ever want to have difficult conversations. We have to be able to do that. Part of the commitment we make in the relationship of any kind is the willingness to have those difficult conversations. We're going to take a break. We're going to glide into those DMs, courtesy of Astro Glide. Uh, I've got a DM for us. Drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we are back and now it's time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, as a 52-year-old gay man, I'm having trouble understanding why we need so many labels when we fought to not be labeled. Um, I don't understand what you mean by fought to not be labeled. Um, I'm not familiar with that because my understanding of the history of gay rights wasn't about not being labeled. It was about acceptance, inclusion, um, human rights. Uh, so I, I'm confused about that part, but I'll, I'll speak to the why do we need so many labels? Well, because we're a diverse population, and I mean that in terms of the human race, uh, because there's more than just male or female, because there's a lot more than just gay or straight. It's kind of like saying, 
why can't we all just be called white or white and black? Well, because there's a lot of other races and ethnicities that exist and want their own recognition. You have to understand that labels make people feel real. Labels make people feel legitimate. Labels make people be able to take form and have a self. Labels help people learn about themselves. Labels help people build community. Labels help people look at who's being excluded and oppressed. Um, There's more than two kinds of anything. It's not just gay or straight. There are bi people that like men and women. There are people that are pan and fluid. There are people that like cis and trans. There are people that like non-binary, gender. There's more than male and female. There's hundreds of gender expressions. Sex, male and female based on anatomy. There's multiple sexes. Not everyone is just penis or vagina. Some people have both. Some people have undistinguishable. Our external anatomy, penis or vagina, doesn't always match our chromosomes. They can be completely different. Not everyone is XX or XY. So why are there so many labels? I don't know. Your question should be, why is the world so diverse and creative in its presentation, expression, and reality? I mean, there's so many different kinds of plants. It's like saying, can't every, every plant be a rose or a daisy? No, because that's not honest, because there's a lot of other flowers. And even within the rose population, they're different shapes, sizes, and colors. So it's about understanding the beauty that is. That is. Um, there are more than just gay and straight people. So the question isn't why there's so many labels, it's why there's so many different kinds of people. And my answer is because that's the way the world works. And that's a beautiful thing and that's a strength. Diversity is a strength. It's only humans that are obsessed with conformity and assimilation. Animals don't care about diversity. The plant and and, and the uh, plant kingdom doesn't, the fish kingdom doesn't. Like there's so much diversity, it's queer. There are plants and fish which don't need partners and essentially uh, pollinate themselves. There are uh, fish that the male gives birth to children. There are animals that kill after they're impregnated. There are animals that give themselves abortions. There are animals that make sex toys. The world is queer and diverse and creative and it's a beautiful thing. And these things have always existed. It's just that they're coming forward now because they have rights and they have empowerment and they have community and they feel legitimate. This has always been it's never just been the binary and we have to get familiar with that. And I appreciate that you're of an older generation that was raised with everyone's gay or straight, man or woman, but that was never honest. And that was quite oppressive and toxic to those that were outside of that, in between that, around that. I don't identify as anything sexually. I don't identify as gay or straight. Neither one of those are honest for who I am. I'm creative, I'm fluid, I've had sex with every gender expression, every body shape and size, and I continue to. There's not a label that can contain my diversity and my totality and I don't want one. I prefer label lists. And you called yourself a gay man. So you do like labels. You like the label of man and the label is gay. You use both of those. But I don't think either of those actually contain all that you are. You're more than that. And I bet there's times where you do things that might be more hetero based or might look to someone like a female quality. Maybe you're soft and gentle, which we all have, but some of the binary world has deemed that to be only for females. I mean, we're all bigger than these labels. And Labels are what help people come into the world. I think the phase two is often realizing you're bigger and more than that label and that it's confining, but not for everyone. 
You know, just like people say the gay, the gay community. There's not a gay community. There's gay communities. There's the black gay community, the white gay community. There's the cis and gay community. There's a trans gay community. You know, a white, gym-bodied, wealthy, black gay man is not the same community as a younger, drug-addicted, homeless, white, larger-bodied gay man. Those are two different communities. The world is a beautifully diverse thing, and, and we need to see the, the, the strength and, and the valor in that. It's beautiful. But thank you for your question. All right, going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about orgasms. Good stuff, y'all. Stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, we are back and uh, moving into the second hour. So uh, put those kids to bed. <laughs> it's time to talk about some sex stuff. Can talk a little bit about orgasms. That's right. So I work with different people that come into my office. <clears throat> you know, again, we bad, bad, bad sex education in this culture. But also, I think what's more debilitating than the fact that we don't really have a lot of resources in education is we don't have a lot of confidence. We lack erotic confidence. We say... Certain things aren't appropriate to talk about. No, we need to be able to openly talk to other adults around us about sex and our bodies. And so a lot of people have a lot of myths because they don't have a lot of people to process or to bounce things off of or to really get a better understanding of what's kind of normal or standardized. Not that our goal is ever normal. In fact, it's not at all. But it helps reduce some shame when we realize that something's a little more common than we realized. And I work with a lot of people that are not feeling comfortable in their bodies or in their eroticism or even in their relationship because these are things that aren't safe to talk about or they're not even really aware of how to confidently and authentically communicate these things, you know? So we're going to kind of drop into the general topic of how do we kind of work on more orgasmic pleasure, right? But it's really a bigger conversation around building more confidence in general through the entry point of more erotic and sexual confidence. Because again, what I love about this topic is that if you can talk to those around you, to the other adults, very openly and authentically and confidently about sex and the sexual body, I'm going to be a little more secure that you'll be able to talk about other anxiety-inducing but important topics. And so that's where they really dovetail and they intersect. And doing work with sex is doing larger work on our mental health and our relational health, right? It's not some compartmentalized thing, which a lot of people even in my field think, oh, sex doesn't really matter. It's just this thing that they do at home with their partner and it doesn't have much more relevance. But that is the opposite. It has complete relevance because all of our stuff is woven into how we approach eroticism with self and other. And we can work on it based on how we approach eroticism with self and other. So really give it the uh, the high evaluation that it needs to have and 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 do this work. Um, remember, our, our first experience for most of us, and I'm talking about within, you know, non-abusive, problematic sexual experiences that some people that unfortunately is how they first enter sex is with trauma and assault. But we're not we're not going to be using that entry point. Right. That's a that's a second conversation. So for those that haven't had that, it's usually masturbation, sex with self. And in our world, remember, we're taught to do it quickly, quietly, don't let anyone know, have shame and guilt about it. We don't openly talk about it, but we should be able to. There's nothing wrong with self-pleasure at all. It shouldn't be something that we can't acknowledge or own. It shouldn't be something that we can't ask for time to go do. But we, we get it done quickly, quietly, we hide it. Even people that 
have been in long-term committed relationships, relationships that they would tell me are very safe and committed and have a lot of intimacy, they still hide or lie about the fact that they masturbate or look at pornography, all of which is very healthy, right? But maybe they're with a very erotically immature or anxious person and they don't feel like they can acknowledge that, right? So we want to work on being better about that because this is our total mental health. So what are things we can do? Because again, we're really, you know, we're talking about those larger topics, but we're really just kind of addressing how to work on having more, better orgasms. And again, sex is bigger than that, but this is a part of it. And it's okay to sometimes just be very orgasmically focused, but I do want to hold space for often sex isn't going to be about penetration orgasm or orgasm at all, or only orgasm for one partner. However, side note, Remember that most women report orgasming more often with themselves or with another woman and only about 20 or 15% of the time when with a male partner for those that have heterosexual sex because most heterosexual men think that sex is about them orgasming and then they're done or they don't really understand that people that are vagina owners most do not orgasm from penetration alone and require some clitoral stimulation. And a lot of males aren't aware of that or willing to do that. And they think that when they orgasm, we're done, or that the vagina-owned partner should just be able to orgasm during penetration, and that's not true. And so we do really want to work on changing that. It shouldn't be that most women only orgasm when with self or another woman because that's when the job gets done in the way that's needed. But that also falls on the female partner or the vagina-owning partner to speak up and to have the confidence to say, hey, that's not how I orgasm, or hey, my turn now, or hey, let me orgasm first. It's part of care. It's part of relationality. So please don't be afraid to ask for that. That's also a way to really learn about your own partner's sexual health and maturity, but also general health and maturity. If that's not a conversation that could be had, you have a larger issue. Is their self-esteem that fragile? Why? Why is that such a sensitive thing for them? Why are they not able to be confronted or to have that discussed? Or ask yourself that. Why does that feel like a request you can't make? Is that your work, their work, or their relationship's work? Because that, that, that's the like mental health question. So really, really, really zero in on that. It's important to always ask ourselves that. Is that me? Is that my work? Or is that their work? And your work might be to be willing to step into the anxiety of telling them that that's their work. Hey, listen, I need to let you know that blah, 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 right? Okay, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we'll keep talking about this because this is a global thing through the entry point of something more specific. Um, yeah, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey, y'all. Stick around. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about sex, but we're talking really about orgasms and uh, recognizing that this is how we work on ourselves and this is how we learn about ourselves through something that might seem as minor to some as whether or not they orgasm and, and why. Um, so the first thing is realizing that we have to check in with ourselves, that uh, sex and orgasms are are about us. It's not just about our partner and you know, being in our heads and saying, are they enjoying this? What about them? Yeah, we want to recognize that there's someone else there. And we, we do want to be responsible for what's happening with them. But we also have to say to ourselves, hey, my orgasm is my responsibility. I have to, and what I mean by that is I have to tell them what I need. I have to tell them what to do to stay there and to keep doing that, to be more pressure or less pressure, whatever it is. It's our responsibility to direct. I don't agree with someone who says something like they should know or they should know by now or they should know me. No, they shouldn't. No, they don't. We're a virgin every time we have a new partner. We are a virgin 
each day with the same partner again because we don't know who you are today and what you'll need. I know myself what I'm interested in sexually because I work really hard on being honest and authentic and in my body, I'm embodied, I'm mindful, I'm in the moment. What do I want today? It's going to change. Sometimes I want something maybe more penetrative. Other times it's just something quick and hot. Sometimes I'm closing my eyes and it's not about the person with me, my my partner. I'm in my head and I'm with others. Sometimes we want to watch porn together. Sometimes I want just oral. Sometimes I want to see them and I'm not doing anything myself. There's a variety. It depends on where I'm at, but that's called erotic honesty, erotically honest. This is who I am today. We don't do mind reading. Adults don't mind read. Adults ask questions and adults share transparently what they're thinking and needing. Children might read minds because they don't feel empowered enough or have the skills to say, what do you want? Do you enjoy that? Or they don't have the confidence to say, Please, please stop doing that. That doesn't feel good, but here's what you could do. Or, hey, I didn't orgasm, but I'd like to. You know what I mean? We have to be adults and be willing to do that. And if we can't, that gives us an understanding of where some of our general work is. Or is this the partner that's not safe to do that with? And if I can't do that sexually, can I do that in other areas? Is this even someone to be with? Is my partner you know, erotically unempathetic? And is that something that I see outside of this? Are they just generally not concerned with what I want or what I need? Is this just part of a larger issue, right? So there's a lot to learn in these topics. We learn a lot about self and other through all of this. Um, So remember that, but then there's also this piece about body shame and sex shame, where we said how a lot of us, our first non-traumatic experience with sex is sex with ourselves. And we're doing it quickly, quietly, don't let anyone know. Do we do that with our partners? Is it dark and quiet and we don't really move? What is it you're trying to protect? What is it you're afraid of? Let's have the lights on. Let's see ourselves. Let's see our partner. Let's make noises. Let's let our bodies move around. Let's engage our total body. Or are we trapped in you know heterocentricity and homophobia where, well, I, I'm straight and I'm a guy, so you can only touch me in certain parts. None of that's real. There's no behavior that's gay only. I was heartbroken in 2021 to hear still hear that where we we're having a conversation. It's a long story. Don't worry about how we got out there, but just go with this, where a straight man was talking about liking having his female heterosexual partner anally stimulate him. And someone's like, oh, he must be bi. Huh? Anything a heterosexual couple does is heterosexual. What are you talking about? Why is a man getting anal stimulation have to imply they're bi, aka has some gay in there? Like, what are you talking about? Anal isn't a gay act our sexual orientation is rooted in who we are and the gender choices we're attracted to and that we make. It's not tied to a behavior. Like let's be less primitive than that and expand beyond that. Our entire body has the capacity to provide pleasure to self and other. Let's be utilizing our whole body. And if we're not, we are internalizing homophobia or body shame or toxic masculinity. Your masculinity should not be tied to what parts of your body is touched or not touched. My God, sex is about vulnerability, authenticity, and pleasure. Grow up. Use sex to grow up, reach some developmental milestones, expand beyond that. If you're holding back on self or other because of fear of biphobia or homophobia or toxic masculinity, grow up, be better, do better. That holds us back. We And also, like we should be making sounds, sounds of pleasure. Don't hide that you're sexual or enjoying it. Let body fluids release and be on ourselves, right? Well, let's keep the lights on. And if not, ask yourself why. Is it work you have to do or is it your partner's work? Are they shaming you or are you shaming yourself? Maybe you don't even know. 
Maybe you need to talk to your partner about that. Hey, why do you never touch me here, there, and the other place? Or ask yourself, why do I only let myself be touched in certain areas? What is that about? Is that body shame? Is that gender shame? Is it racialized? What's going on? But ask yourself, explore that. Use sex as a way to work through that, right? Bring all of that in. Sometimes, maybe take off the table the same kinds of things you're always doing as a way to force exploration and creativity. What if we stopped having penetration for the next couple times we had sex? What could that mean for us? What could we learn? How could that help us grow? Because we tend to fall into patterns and habits, step one and then step two and then step three and we always end with step four, boring. And that's usually guided by our anxiety. It's called leftover sex. We'll take off what makes me anxious. We'll take off what makes you anxious. And we'll just do whatever's left over. That is not have longevity and excitement. Push on your boundaries. Have sex that challenges your sexual orientation. Have sex that challenges your gender. This is how we learn and grow. Don't keep yourselves trapped. But I love when I say to couples, stop having that kind of sex for the next week or the next month because there's so much else to do. Stop having sex at that time of day. Those positions are in that place. What does it mean if you don't do it in the bedroom? What if you? What does it mean if you don't do it only at night? You know what I mean? This is where we get to learn and grow. This is where it becomes a mental health issue. We can learn about ourselves through that entry point. We're gonna take a little break. When we come back, we're gonna keep talking about this. DMs always open, so glide on into them. Thank you, Astroglide. Lube it up, Astroglide, some good stuff. Uh, drop your questions in the DMs on our Loveline IG page or let us know a topic you want to hear more about or you want me to drop deeper into, no pun intended or maybe pun intended. And also past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face and click on it. You can binge, post, share, repeat, learn more, circle back through, take some notes. It's all there. But stick around and join us. We'll be talking more about this. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about learning and growing through sex and orgasms and why we do what we do, but even more important, why we don't do the things we don't do. Parts of our bodies that we let be touched or the parts of the body of a partner we touch or don't touch, right? Where do we do it? When do we do it? How do we do it? But the question's always why? Because there's a reason why. Don't just say, well, that's just what we do or that's just how we like it. No, that's a lie, actually. You're not being honest or vulnerable. Go into the psychology of it. What are you afraid of encountering? What are you afraid of seeing? Is it your gender? Are you afraid of doing something that you've been trained and lied to and told that men don't do or women don't do or that's gay sex or that's straight sex? None of that's real. We're having sex that challenges our gender training. We're having sex that challenges the sexual orientation we claim. Another big one is toys. Bring in toys. It's more vulnerable. It's more personal. Some people are thrown off. Well, if I can't do that, well, what are you talking about? Of course our bodies can't do it provide everything. They don't need to. We use forks and knives. We don't eat with our feet or our hands. And if you do, cool, props to you. We, we, you know, do a lot of things to enhance all sorts of events and experiences. We put on makeup, we bleach our teeth. We're all about enhancement, y'all. We go to the gym. So don't be thrown off by a sex toy, especially when it's you using it with and on your partner. It's an extension of you. It's something you're folding in. Don't be afraid of that. It's exploration, but bigger. Ask yourself why if you're not willing to. What are you holding back from? Is it because you're trying to make sex quick and lazy? Why? Is it because you don't want to imagine that your body, God forbid, can't provide all the pleasure in the world? Time to grow up and toughen up. You know what I mean? Is it because you don't like your partner anymore? Time to have that conversation and own it. But grab your partner, go online, go to a sex boutique, look for something new and exciting, find something you're curious about. Make sex mean something, make it a priority, put some investment into it. 
Stop doing it business as usual, right? This is where we get to say to your partner and yourself, this means something. We mean something. This is sex is a tool and a bridge that other relationships aren't always given access to, to be deeper, to be closer, to be more connected, to have more intimacy. It does matter. It really does. All of it's tied in there. Toxic masculinity, like I said, our gender training, the limits of what we think our sexual orientation can allow. Be bigger and better than that, you know? It's how we grow. That's why I love this topic. That's why I love this work. So step into it. Uh, So I'm going to climb back down. You know what I mean? Do that work. Ask yourself, why do me and my partner do what we do? Ask yourself, why do I touch what I touch and why do I not what I don't? This is where we learn about ourselves. I don't want these topics just be something I put out there, you hear, you nod along, and you move on. Do that work. I gave you homework last night. I'm giving you homework tonight too. Ask yourself, why do you have sex when you have it, where you have it, and the way you have it? What is that about? Is it about you and your anxiety? Is it about your partner and their anxiety? But the answer can't just be because that's how we like it because that's not true. We tend to not do things from our best. We tend to do things from our anxiety. We tend to stay comfortable and safe. And this is a way to challenge that in very appropriate, safe ways. But this is how we learn. So ask yourselves all those questions. And still the questions I was saying last night, what are your, what's your mission statement? What are the most important things in your life? And are those the things that you're actually centering and prioritizing, right? But this is also how we show that to our partner. Because I can't tell you how many couples I work with, regardless of what we're talking about, you see some of those issues showing up in the sex as well right? Because it's not something neutral. It's not just something we do at home privately. It's always with us. You know what I mean? And when we get home, we really act out some of that other stuff. So really use it as a way to kind of learn more. And and finally, before we wrap up, um, go to our DMs because we're going to glide into those DMs in a minute. Fantasy is another really important thing to work with as well. What do you fantasize about? And what does that mean? And can you find ways to bring that into your partnered sex? Maybe you don't. Maybe it's something you just think about and go into in your mind. It's okay to fantasize about other people while with your partner. It's part of life. It's okay. For some people, that's a prime part of their arousal system. Okay, because we're not always able to do that. Our partners aren't always willing to. Or maybe it's something we just like thinking about but don't ever want to enact. We fantasize about things because that's the safe place to do it. Some fantasies are things we really want and others aren't. A lot of fantasy is only to take place in fantasy because that's where it's accessible and easy and safe. Fantasizing about something does not mean you will or want to do it. We have empathy. We have boundaries. We have impulse control. So it's not a sign. I don't care what someone fantasizes about. I'm never worried about hearing extreme things or even illegal things because if you have empathy and boundaries and impulse control, you're good. But if you don't, then I am worried. But ask yourself, what do I fantasize about? And does that tell me I need to be moving towards some of that, share some of that, bring some of that in, or is that just meant to be there? And again, it really does depend on your erotic maturity and the you know sexual and erotic maturity of your partner. Not every partner is safe for us to share that with, but work on getting them to mature and grow up enough to maybe be able to, or at least somewhat, because their limits are our limits, especially in a monogamous relationship. Know that. And we want to make our presence in someone's life, sexually and otherwise, we want to make their life better. We don't want us being in someone's life, the thing that makes their life harder and more difficult. As I say all the time, life is difficult enough. I try to mind that, myself that in my relationship all the time. I want this person's life to be made better because I'm in it, not harder. If I'm making it harder, then that's a form of abuse, especially if I notice it and I need to be better. 
So I challenge you all to be better. Going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to be gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveland IG page or drop a topic that you want me to cover or talk more about. And uh, past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for me, my little name, uh, you know, Loveline, click on it. Bam, there they all are. Stick around, y'all. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris. I'm in a bit of a tough situation. I've been dating my boyfriend for six months. He made it very clear at the beginning that he was looking for a long-term partner, someone to marry. Okay, cool. Things move very quick. He had asked me to be his girlfriend two months into talking and dating. Okay, take the compliment. Uh, fast forward, our honeymoon phase does not feel like a honeymoon phase. Ah, that's a bummer because that's one of the funnest parts, right? Before you get into more of like a maintenance phase, right? He's very busy at work and said that he doesn't like texting. Well, this is a long one, so, so stay with us. He's very busy, he said he doesn't like texting. Okay, the tension and excitement definitely died down. Also having issues with intimacy so early on. He hasn't given me much reassurance. He had left his phone and laptop unlocked for me to help him with something while he was showering. Here we go. Oh my God, here it comes. I know this is not right on my end, but I checked his DMs and saw his messages with a few girls. Bum, bum, bum. Now that I've seen his messages, I can't unsee it. Now I'm stuck. That's my point. I always say that. If you're going to look, which you shouldn't do, it's abusive and really poorly boundaried. If you have issues, you should be bringing them up. You shouldn't have to find anything to bring up these issues. Nonetheless, you did. You have to then own it. Otherwise, you have to pretend like you didn't see it, right? I don't know how I should bring this up to him. We've been doing all the right things to progress our relationship. I'm very confused. There's no right way to bring it up. You got to just bring it up. There, there's, yeah. I appreciate when people say, how do I bring something up? They're usually saying, how do I do it in a way that doesn't make me or someone else, self, someone else anxious? You can't. This is an anxiety-inducing thing. You have to say to him, hey, look. Say to him everything you just said to me, basically. Read him back what you just wrote me. I feel like we've moved fast. 
and I miss our honeymoon phase. You left your computer unlocked. I looked and you're talking to other people. What's up? That's what you say. Read him literally right back what you just said to me and sit there quietly. Say to him, I'm poorly boundaried. I appreciate that that was emotionally abusive to go through your stuff. I don't have a right to read things that you haven't given me permission to read, but I did. Here's what I'll do to work on that. But nonetheless, I have to share with you what I saw. You're talking to other people. Here's how I feel about that. What's that about for you? Talk about it. Then you say, and also I missed the honeymoon phase. How can we get back to that? And then also say to him, bro, I'm glad you're working a lot. I'm a person. I come before work. Yeah, I come before work. You need to spend time and text me and date me and get to know me and all that. I would never let someone put work before me, ever, ever, ever. Work is not the most important thing in our life. People are, our relationships. I demand everyone in my life, be it my birthday. Don't tell me you can't be my birthday because you have to work. Don't tell me you can't spend time with me on vacation because of work. I'm a person, be here. Have better boundaries with your work. Have better boundaries with your boss. Have better boundaries with the other things in your life. So shut all that down. But if you open someone's computer and go through it, you gotta own it. You're gonna have to own it. And there's no way to get out of having to own it. There's no way to get out of the anxiety. There's, there doesn't need to be, you know what I mean? So bring these topics up. We shouldn't, you shouldn't have let it go this far. The minute you're starting to feel something, bring it up. I want people to have very transparent, intimate relationships. Hey, this is going to be hard to hear. It's hard to share. Here it goes. And we launch in because how you manage that matters. And if you can't have difficult conversations, then you're in a relationship with someone that you can't have difficult conversations with and that will not work. So be thankful that you're here because it gives you a chance to practice difficult conversations and whether or not he can have them with you tells you whether or not you keep going in this relationship. Because if he's not willing to sit down and talk about all this honestly, you tell him it's time to go. You throw up the double deuces and you bounce because we're no longer having relationships with people that don't have secure attachment, healthy relational skills, and able to provide the needs that we have, truly. The, the, the world's too big for that. So give this, be thankful this happened, use it as an opportunity to learn what you're both made of and what the relationship is made of. And if it doesn't go well, sit back and reflect and say, is this what I want? And the answer is probably no. And then you move on. Sometimes a successful relationship is realizing this isn't meant to go on any further. You know what I mean? But I'm proud of you. Do the difficult work. You'll be better for it. That is our show. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. As always, past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, click on it. Bam, there it is. And we'll be back tomorrow, so stick around and join us. But uh, be kind to yourself and be kind to those around you. Life is hard already. Don't make someone's life harder because you're in it. Make it better. And that goes for everyone. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. And you guys enjoy the rest of your night. Tons of self-care, rest, and as always, lots of pleasure. See you tomorrow. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.